Welcome to Feel Better, Live More Bite Size, your weekly dose of positivity and optimism to get you ready for the weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, one of the most nutrient-dense whole food supplements that I have come across. It contains vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and I myself take it regularly. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash live more to find out more and to access a very special offer for listeners of my podcast. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash live more. Today's clip is from episode 75 of the podcast with the psychotherapist and author Philippa Perry. In this clip, she explains how we can improve the relationships that we have with our children and why even when we get things wrong, Learning how to repair our mistakes is key to building closer connections. In part one of your book, I've highlighted this paragraph. A child needs warmth and acceptance. Physical touch, your physical presence, love plus boundaries. Understanding, play with people of all ages, soothing experiences and a lot of your attention and your time. If only it were that simple, right? Well, it sounds simple, doesn't it? And I always think that when we're pregnant or expecting a child, um, you think you'll be able to do that and you sort of think about it and that's what you want to do. And yet there you are with a baby, a toddler, a child, a teenager, and you feel this irritation coming up that gets in the way of you making that connection. Or you feel split in lots of different directions at once, or life gets in the way. But what gets in the way really is we get in the way of ourselves more than external things like work and busyness and and being pulled in directions at once, we get in the way of ourselves because whatever age your child is at is liable to remind you on a sort of bodily level what you went through at that age. And if you don't want to be reminded, your child be like a trigger. You love your child, but then you also experiencing them like a trigger. So you'll push them away and you won't consciously know this is what you're doing. For example, if your child is crying because they can't do up their shoelaces, and perhaps you might remember this or you might not, but perhaps your parents told you off for not being more manually dexterous than you were, and you hated that feeling of feeling vulnerable, incompetent, clumsy, and not good enough. When your child is displaying the same things, you don't want to be reminded of that vulnerability. So you kind of push them away rather than going, you take your time with that shoelace. You're going to get the hang of it. I know you are. You're more likely to go, let me do it. Because you just want to push away that feeling that's coming up in you. Yeah, I mean, it's happening for me, I'm sure for many people listening to to our conversation, I'm sure they'll be sort of tensing up and thinking about certain situations yeah. that have happened. And often we think we're turning into our parents as we get older. But I often wonder if we just, are we just almost a mirror of the behavior we have been exposed to. And then we just absorb that. And then we apply it onto our kids. I think. And we can't help it. We can't we help will, it. We can't help it. And we will do that. And 
I snapped. Nobody gets this right. Nobody gets this perfect. I might have felt, you know, oh, leave me alone at times with my kid when I feel completely overwhelmed by them. And what you can do is something I call in the book rupture and repair, which is when you notice you've misunderstood or misattuned your kid or shouted at them when it wasn't their fault. And then you can say to them when you've realized, I shouldn't have done that. It was my fault. It's not you. It's me. You can repair the rupture. And then they'll go, oh, it's all right. Because <laughs> they're really more resilient than we might think. But it's important to repair the rupture. Yeah, that, I think that's a really great point. That's something I certainly think I have improved in my own parenting over the last two or three years is if I have been really stressed and I have snapped. Yeah. Um, I've learned that actually, you know, it's okay to say, hey, you know what, daddy's really sorry. You know, I was juggling two or three things. I was quite stressed out on my work and I, I shouted at you and I, I took shouldn't it out have done. On you. Yeah. And I'm sorry. And, yeah. and, and I, for, for me, it was quite hard for me to do that at first, but it makes me think, um, how important is it to tell the truth to your children? I think if you want a good, close connection with your kid, and who doesn't really, why have them otherwise, authenticity is key. Obviously, you don't want to use your child as a therapist. Yeah. Okay. But somebody once um, asked me, but isn't it important that our kids think we're always right? Otherwise, they won't feel secure. I said, no. It's important that they think we're always authentic so we can have a connection. Because if we say something is blue and they can see it's green, we are going to be interfering with their instincts. So if we say to a kid, it was your fault when actually it was our fault, we are interfering with their instincts. And if we interfere with their instincts, we will dull their intelligence. And obviously, we don't want to do that. So it's really important for parents to be authentic. Is on some level, is not the best parenting tip of all to sort yourself out first? Well, that's the first chapter in my book, is to look at your patterns, look at why we do what we do, examine something I call the critical voice, because that tends to merge with our parenting a little bit too much. So the, the first chapter, the first part of my book is all about sort yourself out. How can someone do that? Someone's listening to that and they go, Okay, Rongan. Okay, Philippa, I get it. But they don't know where to start. Or they're in this kind of, you know, the treadmill of modern yeah. life. They're busy. They're just trying to get home, feed the kids, get them to bed, get to bed, do their emails, get back. They think, well, where do I start? You start with charged emotion. So we can all get in the practice being a little bit more noticing our moods, noticing when a mood feels particularly charged. So if we have a charged emotion reaction to our child, because this is a parenting book, but it can be to anything, maybe we feel particularly self-righteous or something, I'm just really charged up. What I ask people to do is to stop. Don't just assume that charged emotion has got something to do with the scenario that's right in front of you right now. Stop. Look at the pattern of that charged emotion. Trace it back. Where does it come from? When did you first feel it? I mean, my particular charged emotion is when somebody accused me of lying when I hadn't lied. I just go mental. And 
Um, I know I can remember once as a family we were watching University Challenge and I said the answer and nobody heard me. And then I said, I said that. And they went, no, you didn't. I just flashed. I just sort of, I just noticed it. I said, yes, I did. Like that. And then I said, oh, sorry, overreacted a bit there. And then tracing that back, I realized my parents never believed me. Whatever I said, they never believed me. So I sort of like didn't know whether I was true or not. You know, I didn't know whether my experience was really my mistake experience or whether I was kidding myself the whole time. So it was a very powerful thing and that would trigger me. So that's the sort of thing you can do is notice when you feel particularly self-righteous or, 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 or just really irritated. What's that charge about? Why are you so irritated because your kids put a sock on inside out? You know, why does that really matter? Trace that back. Trace that back to your childhood. So notice a charged emotion is a, a really good way of beginning to see how your past is affecting your present. You need time for this stuff. And what I mean by that is I, I'm a big proponent with all of my patients and anyone I try and help with their health say, you need a bit of downtime every day. You can't just go, go, go all day. You can't just literally be on tech and emails and work and spend all evening on it consuming 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 you need downtime because it's in that downtime that you reflect you know without that downtime how are you going to reflect on a charged emotion if you're just mm. jumping from one thing to another and i think now we've got this phone thing to fill in blank moments of time like we've got the bus journey we're not just going to sit out, look out the window and yeah. think because that's a bit understimulating. No, we'll get the phone out and look at Instagram. Don't get the phone out. Just sit there and see what comes up for you. 100%. And, and I think this is the, the thing I'm, I'm sort of banging on all the time about at the moment in talks or in the podcast is downtime is important. We've mm. eroded downtime out of society and it has an impact even just for this reflection, even just five, 10 minutes of downtime. We'd have, we'd have a lot more time if we played with our phones less. And children need that downtime too. Yeah. Children need, actually, I would say boredom is quite good for kids because out of boredom comes creativity. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do. Oh, I think you'll think of something. Can I have my phone? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> and um, why can't I have my phone? Because I don't want to give it to you. I've got yeah. this thing about boredom being good for people. I'm sorry you don't like it. Yeah. You know, we can be very sympathetic with the boundary, but the boundary still has to be there. Yeah. It's, 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 and, then, and then out of the boredom, you know, would you like some paper? See what you can do with that. You know, I mean, what kids are really good at teaching us is to be in the present. Yeah. And what we tend to be is like with one foot in the future thinking, I've got to do those emails. I've got, I've got to go through the edits on my book. I need to do that before midnight. And then we're not with them because we're away in the present. So what we can do, we, we're not going to stop planning for the future. Otherwise, it's going to be chaotic. But we can still be in the present with them more. I think what parents need is to be seen, understood, helped, loved and contained. Sounds like what children need. <laughs> because that's what they have to give to their kids. So that's what I wanted the book to do. I wanted it to encourage, to forgive, not that there's anything to forgive, but be sort of like, look what we do to our kids and yet they still grow up despite it. It's sort of like, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to give to parents what I want them to give to their kids, which is 
being got, being understood, yeah. and what's the easiest way of doing this? There's always hope. There's always hope, and no relationship ever ran smooth. And that goes for the one with you and your kid, because you know you might have made a mistake and misunderstood what their needs were. Who doesn't do that? We've all done it. But just because you don't walk somewhere in a straight line doesn't mean to say you don't get to the end. We're always going down one direction thinking this isn't working, changing direction, doing another direction. Obviously, I cock up as much as most parents cock up. But I think the, the thing is, is to go my bad when we do. And it, and it makes all the difference. Are you a fan of the terms good and bad? No. When parents No. And why not? We get so concerned to be a good parent that when we are inevitably a bad parent, we get overly defensive about the bad behavior that we've done. That's one reason. Another reason is being a parent is being in a relationship with a child. You don't often say, I'm good or I'm bad in our other relationships. We are what we are, sometimes attuned, sometimes misattuned, sometimes getting it, sometimes not getting it, sometimes um, self-obsessed, sometimes open. We're not good and bad, we're human. Hope you enjoyed that bite-sized clip. Please do spread the love by sharing this episode with your friends and family. And if you want more, why not go back and listen to the full conversation with my guest. And if you enjoyed this episode, I think you will really enjoy my new bite-sized Friday email. It's called The Friday Five. And each week I share things that I do not share on social media. It contains five short doses of positivity, articles of books that I'm reading, quotes that I'm thinking about, exciting research I've come across, and so much more. I really think you're going to love it. The goal is for it to be a small yet powerful dose of feel good to get you ready for the weekend. You can sign up for it at drchatterjee.com forward slash Friday 5. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you have pressed subscribe and I'll be back next week with my long form conversation on Wednesday and the latest episode of Bite Science next Friday. <laughs>